Bad, immoral, and wrong. This is the Modern Eater Show. Piping hot and delicious. The Modern Eater. Food, 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 food. And now your hosts, Greg Hollenbeck and Jay Parker. All right, five minutes past six o'clock, six oh five in the Mile High City, live in the iHeart Studios. Greg Hollenbeck, Jay Parker, the Modern Eater Show, on the air everywhere. This is a good one, Jay. Yes, it is, and uh, I'm excited. You're excited. Top Chef. Top Chef. You know, Colorado uh, filmed Top Chef this season, episode uh, season fifteen, episode four, just aired this past Thursday. But uh, our very own Carrie Baird from Bardot and Brother Luck from Four by Brother Luck in Colorado Springs, they're killing it. They're doing really well. I mean, the, the personalities on the show work out. You know, they're fun to watch. You and I were talking about Carrie's laugh. Did you just Facebook Live us? Yeah. Right now? Yeah. Because I see that popping up on yeah, Facebook. I did. You, I'm supposed to put it in my little thing here so that people can see your pretty face. No, while, I don't know do how interesting that is. But I guess we're on Facebook Live right now, too. You can check that out, The Modern Eater. And then our Instagram. Um, fans of Carrie. And Brother Luck, I guess uh, we'll try something. They're going to be on next segment. We'll break a little early so we can get right to them. But um, let's open up the phone lines. If you're a fan of Top Chef and only a fan of Top Chef and you've been following the season, you have a good question. I mean, we're not going to – our yeah. time is short with them. But 303-713-8255, 303-713-TALK. Big show because it's kind of a year-end review as well. Um, food and beverage in Colorado is bar none. I think it's the best. I really do. And the breweries probably put it over the top. Jonathan Shikes from Westward Magazine, uh, the Colorado beer guy, he's going to join us in the 7 o'clock hour along with Kyle Moyer from the Crafty These two guys, they know, uh, they've forgotten more about beer and libations than we'll ever know. And so they'll join us in the next hour. They're like two flint rocks uh, once they get going talking about craft beer. Fire. You know what I mean? You see, it's an analogy. Can you face that away from me? Put it on your own <laughs> face. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I'll put, try it. Put I'll that try, on you. I'll try it and see what, see, uh, see what people do. Nice hat, by the way. <laughs> Forgive Jay for his appearance. <laughs> We're on radio. Hold on. There it comes in. <laughs> Do I look like that? People, yeah. I have to go through life like this? You do look like that. Um, and it's okay. It's okay. I, I, I also want to mention the chef's table at the bindery is getting a lot, a lot of attention. And for good reason. Chef Linda Hampson Fox will join us at 645 for In the Kitchen. Put that back on uh, me. I know. Well, I'll just turn it <laughs> off. I'll just turn it off. I'll Maybe we should. Is anybody jumping on the Facebook Live right well, now? Not anymore. I just turned it off. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. there you go. I'm I'm playing around with some new gadgets. You know, 2018. We have to. We have to. Now the video's going. Yeah, we have to jump. <laughs> you up haven't perfected even, this. No, I'm sorry. At all. So uh, in the kitchen, Chef Linda Hampton Fox, because he's supposed to be here right now. I don't know where he is. Brian Freeman from Growers Organic. Um, Brian's a real good new friend of ours. Well, maybe, maybe yeah. not since he's maybe, not. Yeah, maybe here he didn't yet. like us as much as we thought he yeah, did. Yeah, but uh, he had. Dinner at um, the chef's table at the bindery. At the bindery. And it, just on Facebook and Instagram, he put out a very sweet mention. Um, 
talking about Linda and the bindery and sitting at that chef's table. But what an honor. It's a lottery. Um, so you put your name in for a lottery and they pick somebody randomly and mm-hmm. you can have um, four guests go in, sit at this chef's table in the kitchen, open kitchen at the bindery. Uh, we've done it. We we have done it. Now, the only thing I'd say the difference in us doing is we did the show from inside the kitchen, which, you know, on the appearance for everybody else was really awesome because we were doing a radio show from inside a kitchen. So it's really cool. But uh, we didn't really and we had a bite to eat after the show, which was delicious. But we didn't get the full dining experience because we had to technically work while it was happening. I know. Would, but afterwards. But afterwards. After we were done we, working. We had a bite. They laid it out. Yeah. Which is cool. So uh, Brian, uh, barring that he's going to be here, also another guest uh, will come on with Linda in the uh, in the kitchen segment at 645 to talk about her experience. What's her name? Emily? Marie. Marie. I was Marie. close. Yeah. Uh, Marie will come it rhymes. On. Yeah, and talk about that. And then are you looking for some New Year's uh, Eve ideas? I'm one of those people to where uh, New Year's Eve is uh, kind of amateur night. So I look for a little, um, a little classier kind of ambiance. Mm-hmm. Uh, something to where I, uh, you know, you're not going out just to go out and get crazy. You're going to go. So, so the binary's having a good New Year's Eve. So is the goods. Um, rocker spirits. We're going to tell you uh, about some of that in this hour as well, but just really looking forward to the next segment, um, which will be fantastic with Brother Luck and Carrie Baird on. They're doing so good in this uh, season. They are. And if people aren't watching, you know, it, it's it, Top Chef. It's on Bravo Thursday nights at 8 o'clock. And uh, it's 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 a great chef challenge show, you know, that are all so popular. Now, there's a lot of them out there. They're, you know, they're, but they're, they're fun. And it's Colorado. And so you're going to recognize landmarks. You're going to see restaurants that you know. You're going to, you may even see some chefs that you know. Yeah. I mean, speaking of that, restaurants in Colorado have been featured. Uh, Alex Seidel has been featured. Um, this last episode, Departure, was the restaurant that they did a challenge in. And uh, Chef Gregory Gordeaux, who uh, <laughs> we asked him on the show. He yeah. said he was too busy he tonight said, well, in his Portland restaurant. That's right. Now, hey, listen, that doesn't mean he doesn't like us. You know, maybe he was uh, genuinely No, that's busy. fine. But, you know, listen, we, we, we've got a couple of good guests coming on. And it was in his restaurant. And, you know, they're trying to make that Departure stick in Cherry Creek mm-hmm. as a uh, local spot. And he's a, a Portland chef, and and there he goes with departure in Cherry Creek. I thought he'd make an appearance, but you know, water under the bridge. That's right. That's right. Um, but uh, again, you know, Frank Bonanno. We've seen him in some of these episodes. That's pretty cool. Uh, who else? Has Troy been? Guard. Troy Guard. Troy Guard. Yep. And then um, whose kid was on this past? Alex Seidel's. Yeah, just a cute kid. Yeah, he's a Fruition Farms guy. We, and we're going to take I'm, – I'm getting him on – we're going to get an interview with that guy. If we have to go out there and, and – Well, I want to get it. up to Fruition Farms. We can do that too. Yeah. I think we should break now. Um, again, if you've got – you know, you're a fan of Top Chef, mm-hmm. a great question. We'll probably maybe put one person on with these guys. Okay. Uh, 303-713-TALK, 303-713-8255. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, It's it's episode four that just happened on Thursday and season 15. Chef Brother Luck and Carrie Baird, Colorado's very own. And uh, we'll take a break. Come back with those two next on the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio. 
Don't forget to check us out on Instagram and Facebook for all the fun videos and pictures. Just search The Modern Eater. Brews beers at 67th and Pecos. Belgium, a country the size of Maryland, is home to more than 600 beers. Belgians take their beers very seriously, and Belgian beers are some of the most interesting beers in the world. If you'd like to sample fresh and authentic Belgian-style beers right here in Denver, the place to go is Brews Beers at 67th and Pecos. Brews does only Belgian-style and Belgian-inspired beers, and we do them like nobody else. Doubles, triples, quadruples, saisons, ambers, fit beers, sours, and specialty ales. There's always a great selection at Brews Beers. Sample a flight, take home a crowler or two, and bring your dog. They're always welcome at Brews. Take a beer tour of Belgium without leaving Denver. Brews Beers, spelled B-R-U-Z, at 1675 West 67th Avenue, Denver. Check us out at brewsbeers.com. Rocker Spirits. It's a distillery. It's a place to hang. It's about quality. It's about taste. It's about passion. Infused with American spirit. Rocker whiskey, rocker rum, rocker vodka. Get ready for an original look, feel, and experience. Old Town Littleton. And have you ever had pizza from a thousand degree oven? Great pizza from Sprezzatura. Open Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Rockerspirits.com. Rockerspirits.com. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is uh, Chef Brother Luck from Four My Brother Luck in Colorado Springs. Oh, man, we're having a good time. We're having a good time. And also competing on season 15 of Top Chef. You are listening to the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio. Hi, everybody. It's Chef Terry from Bardo in Denver. <laughs> I'm also on season 15 of Top Chef Colorado. <laughs> and you're listening to the Modern Eater on iHeartRadio. I love that laugh. It's so contagious. Uh, just great right there. And uh, without further ado, we'll just bring them on to the VIP lines. They're in their kitchen. It's uh, season 15, episode four just aired. It's Bravo's Top Chef every Thursday night here locally at 8 p.m. And on the line with us right now from four by Brother Luck, Chef Brother Luck, and from Bardot, Chef Carrie Baird, contestants right there on Top Chef. How are you guys doing? Doing good, doing good. <laughs> there they are again. Uh, first of all, you guys are killing it. Congratulations. Yeah, so far so good, huh? <laughs> Not bad at all. Brother, uh, you're doing just a fantastic job, too. You're getting a lot of airtime, brother. Hey, you know, I got a good smile and a great personality. <laughs> Modest, too. So handsome. <laughs> when you see stuff like that, so uh, Greg Hollenbach, Jay Parker, talking to uh, Brother Luck and Carrie Baird, our very own Colorado contestants on this season of Top Chef. But uh, Jay looks over to me and he goes, Brother's getting a lot of play on this thing. I think he's going to go far in this deal. And I said, I don't know. Yeah. Carrie's doing a great job, too. Um, not as much play this episode. Episode, Carrie, but um, just you guys are having a lot of fun, right? Yeah, it, we we really are having fun, and like when we're laughing and having a good time, that's all it's in for sure. This episode's called "Little Tools, Big Challenge," and brother, I saw some of your social media. You got a little teeny whisk. <laughs> yeah, our uh, our our lovely customers think it's uh, it's funny when they bring me that kind of stuff. <laughs> Set the stage, Carrie, and tell us about this episode, Little Tools, Big Challenge. Oh, well, they, so they brought in our little, little judges, three little kids, and then made us cook 
a quick fire challenge with um, small kids like tools. It was it was it was funny but very hard. <laughs> I, I guess the premise of of this challenge was kids' menus are kind of laden with cheese and carbs and and not very creative. And you guys were tasked to making a delicious uh, kids' meal that could be a little healthier for them. That's right. Yeah, they wanted us to kind of. Like, update it and unkid it a little and make it a little healthier. Uh, brother, you chose the buffalo burger, my man. Uh, delicious. Uh, why? Uh, you know, I, I ran a wild game restaurant out here in Colorado for a couple of years, so, you know, I'm familiar with the product. And uh, healthy, it's lean, it's a, it's a good way to go. And, and Carrie, you did the corn dog, and it seemed to me like your reaction was you got kind of picked the, the short straw on that one. Well, the corn dog itself was fun, but the little, the judges, the, the oldest, taller girl, she was like, I would never choose a corn dog. <laughs> I kind of get the short They were the brutal. Just based on her preference, they were brutal. Hey, along that, it's Jay Parker here, you guys. Along those lines with those kids, I mean, is that something difficult for people, chefs in your position on the show to, to kind of have to, whatever they say, you have to go in stride because you're on national television, so you can't really speak your mind if you want to call them a brat or something like that. Especially when you know Alex Seidel's kids on there. <laughs> I think I think Tyler didn't hold back. <laughs> He's an adorable kid, by the way. That Alex Seidel's kid, and it looks like he enjoys food. Yeah, his name's Jack, Jay. and he actually is a really good kid. His name's Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Were they was giving were, me some? some uh, He's giving me a hard time. Yeah, I did. I, I noticed that, brother. He was kind of. Uh, he, what did he say to you? What was that line it's that he's? Kind of, it's kind of hard to mess up a hamburger. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and brother, what did you say? I, I don't, uh, I don't take slack from kids. Something like that. Yeah, I, I don't argue with kids, but yeah, you know, I've been cooking. I've been cooking longer than he's been alive. So. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't like the deconstructed taco. I thought that was really funny too. <laughs> just a cool episode, and they just keep building. And, and you know, Jay and I, we're big fans of uh, you know you guys and this this season in particular of Top Chef. But um, there you go. We're visiting new restaurants, it seems like, every week. And Departure was the choice this week with uh, Gregory Gordeaux. And you guys were tasked with um, the Heritage Challenge, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, Idaho. <laughs> Carrie, you really don't know your heritage. I mean, my parents, my dad would say like, little tidbits and stuff, but... I don't actually really know. I don't know how DNA tests or, like, my grandma didn't step off the boat, you know? Like, I've, I'm, like, many generations American Idaho. I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> American Idaho. So with that <laughs> said, your Christmas present, Jay and I signed you up for Ancestry.com. Oh, thank you very much. It's funny. My mom called the day after the show and said the same thing. She's like, I feel so bad. We need to figure this out. <laughs> And then, brother, you've got an interesting heritage there, but uh, from San Francisco, right, brother? Uh, yeah, originally from San Francisco Bay Area, um, and uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's crazy. You know, my my little brother is actually crazy about Ancestry.com, so we were able to trace back that uh, from our father's side. Um, we come from uh, the, the original, the dad side of the family comes from uh, Africa, and. We all got the last name Luck from the Luck Plantation in Virginia. So kind of cool. I thought that was your stage name. 
<laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no kidding. Now, brother, you got to go easy on us, my man, because this last episode, you know, Jay and I are middle-aged guys right there, and I think we're both going through menopause. But you have a very, very touching story when it comes to your old man and this recipe oh. that uh, was left to you. Really, take a second and uh, tear us up with that, would you? Yeah, you know, um, my, my father passed away when I was 10 years old, and uh, he, he gave me a recipe for school uh, a couple weeks before he died. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the few that I actually have of his and, and something I treasure a lot. And, you know, it wasn't even the original dish that I was going to make, but I think uh, I think after after hearing the story of uh, hearing the story of all those amazing women at Kamal, um, I decided to, to make that dish and make something simple. Yeah, I almost passed through that, but Kamal, that was an opportunity that's really cool, a food incubator of kind of indigenous cuisines and, and bringing people together that, you know, they're not restaurateurs, but they love to cook and give them a running chance at maybe starting their own restaurants. What was your thoughts on Kamal there, Carrie? Oh, Kamal was so fun. Um, meeting the women was inspiring. Their story was heartbreaking at times. But they were so gracious and about the food. Oh, man. I've actually been back. I know Brother has, too, several times to eat there. It's phenomenal. Brother, what were your thoughts? I'm a regular. <laughs> I'm a regular yeah. there. I took my mom and my, uh, my wife there a couple weeks ago. And uh, yeah. we, went, we went for Syrian, which is on Fridays. And, uh, man, the, the hummus is, is probably – that pita and hummus is probably the best I've ever had. Oh, that... I agree. The best I've ever had, hands down. So it seemed to me like th there were some pretty touching stories in there. And um, what was uh, some of the impressions of the judges were they wished the food tasted as good as the stories were? Do you <laughs> they think... were brutal. I mean, that <laughs> comment about I could, I could taste your struggle. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you guys, chefs, as we're watching that show, I always I, I always think I have everything figured out. So I, I lean over to Greg and I'm like, uh, you know, someone's telling them to say that they've got an earpiece and someone's telling them to be as brutal as they can. That kind of it just sounds like that's too uh, too well written to be off the cuff. You know, I don't know. I mean, but, uh, you know, they they. They choose to say it or not. I mean, you know, we're all put in those positions where uh, there's there's producers, and you know, they're gonna they're gonna feed you something. Either take a bite or come. You know, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. So I watched mm -hmm. the show live on live on Thursday evenings at uh, 8 p.m. on the Bravo Network. Top Chef online with us right now, Chef Carrie Baird from Bardot, and Chef Brother Luck for by Brother Luck. They're Colorado contestants here representing us so well. And uh, Jay watches it on Saturdays with me as we do show prep because he doesn't have uh, cable. Cable. And um, I had him convince one of the two of you were going to go home this week. So he watched the show, convinced that one of the two of you were going to go home and um he jay who did you think was gonna go home well god you put me on the spot that's awful but after the pierogi thing i thought that you know i was like oh geez you know carrie i'm like carrie's gonna go you know because of the i think they didn't they if memory serves me didn't they you know beat you up a little bit about the pierogies um not not as much as the corn dog or maybe or am i thinking the yeah. corn dog was i thinking the corn dog they, the kids didn't like the corn dog and curtis stone said it was a little too spicy um, and then the pierogi, they didn't give me much feedback on it, so I don't okay. know. No, that's. Hey, listen, just for the record, if a kid doesn't like a corn dog, that says more about the kid than the corn dog, all right? 
<laughs> That's right. So, Brother Luck, you did um, your father's dirty rice recipe, right? What, what was that recipe all about? You know, it, it was interesting because uh, I, I made the dish, and it's a simple dish. I mean, it's, it's chicken liver and gizzards and and uh, celery, um, green bell pepper, and onion, and it's a very straightforward dish. I didn't get much feedback from the from the judges at the table. And um, you know, when you when you when you land in the middle, you don't get any feedback at at judges' yeah. table. So um, I had no idea how that dish was received until I watched the episode this week. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, so I was, I was, I, after watching that episode, I'm like, I should have been in the top. <laughs> <laughs> and Carrie, your, your pierogi, that actually looked delicious. I wanted some. Yeah, it, it actually was really delicious. And just exactly what Brother said, if you're not at the top or the bottom, they don't really tell you much. Um, you know, so. So I get, I mean, Jay Parker, so I guess that, you know, there's a worse feeling if, if you're not at the top or the bottom, right? Because you're not at the bottom. Yeah, I mean, it's not the worst place to be. Right, right. <laughs> but feedback is always good, you know, like, it's, it's nice to know what they thought, good or bad. Can, can you say how many times that you were on the bubble this year or this season? No. <laughs> Close to going, you know? You can't? Nope. <laughs> Not at all. Brother, how about you? You know, the the one time I was in the bottom was uh, was the time I had immunity, so <laughs> I was all right with it. <laughs> what about production? And, brother, you just mentioned that you really didn't until you watched the episode kind of see how it played out and with the judge's reaction. How do you think the production – how are they doing with the production so far as how they're portraying each one of the uh, cast members? I think I think they they've hit everyone pretty spot on. Um, Bruce knows everybody. Tyler has no filter, and uh, <laughs> you know Sue, Sue's a very sensitive guy. <laughs> who's uh, who's the mustache guy? Uh, Joe Sasso. Sasso. You know what's funny is that I was actually just talking to Joe Sasso yesterday, and we were talking about um, Instagram, and uh, he he is. I mean, I love watching that man's Instagram page. It, the pasta that he puts out is. So amazing. So good. Yeah, speaking of Instagram, Carrie, uh, good. Hey, you guys, that was so cool this last week when you gave us a shout out (laughs) and uh, said, here you go here. Because it's so much fun seeing you guys in your, you know, with a a baggie of your native soil inside of your restaurants and and at Bardot. Are you both of you in your kitchens right now, uh, Carrie at Bardot and and Brother Luck at uh, Four by Brother Luck? Yep, I'm here. Yeah, I'm working. I'm I'm staring at a, a long line of tickets right now. <laughs> All right. Well, geez. Okay. So that means hurry up. Um, you guys, what's going on for New Year's Eve? Um, we're at Bardot. We're just doing our regular menu, and we have a couple really nice specials. Um, and we're just going to seat until midnight and then have a toast. Great. Uh, how's business? How's business? Yeah. Busy. We're busy. I'll bet you. And, brother, <laughs> are you doing anything special for New Year's Eve? Yeah, I've got a, my Sami my and I have put together a, a five-course uh, wine pairing. Uh, we've got 150 on the books, and, and we're completely sold out. We've got two seatings tomorrow, and, um, yeah, it's going to be exciting. Take that, Carrie. Well, we are not quite sold out, but we have more than 150. But I have a bigger restaurant. <laughs> you guys are so much fun. And uh, so, Carrie, uh, we, we came across, um, I, I think you know this guy, Juan Padro. Uh-huh. And we're going to come in and have dinner on Thursday. Is that something that we can hear the volume on the TV? 
Yeah, yeah, we turn it on. It's on every the we've got some regulars that have been sitting at the bar every week watching and it's been pretty fun and I'm here and I'm cooking unfortunately, but I come out and watch when I can and, and try to enjoy it a little. Yeah, you need to enjoy it a little, Carrie. Your laugh. Yeah. Uh, give it can you give us an impromptu laugh, Carrie? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yes, you just <laughs> It's infectious. Hey, brother, do you uh, what goes on down at four by Brother Luck on Thursdays? Do you put do you put it on in there? Yeah, we we definitely air the show, and uh, I mean the the restaurant's insane. I mean we're well, I'm, I'm back there cranking and and you know coming out and chatting with guests, but I, I have an open kitchen, so you know I I have a lot of our our staff just actually bring bring the guests into the kitchen and we we chat in here, we take photos and talk about it and. That allows me to stay in the kitchen to keep to keep putting food out. We talked about That's what I need to do. I I always go out. I should have them come to me. That's a good idea, brother. Yeah, bring them in the kitchen. They love it. Yeah, bring them in. We talk about Carrie's uh, infectious laugh, but brother, you've got a smile that just melts hearts, oh, my man. So good. So good. <laughs> Such a great smile. Both of you two are killing it, and I think that's I think brother the way you got a little twinkle in your smile, and I think it's because you won Top Chef. Is that right? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying. No idea what happened. God, when Greg says those things, Chef, I actually get really nervous that you're going to answer on accident. You know, that Why some, do you think that I, some, uh, I know, but I get so nervous. <laughs> They're so tight-lipped; it doesn't matter. Have you bought anything new lately, Carrie? I'm wearing my a fur car? coat as we speak. I already told you, that. <laughs> you two are the best each and every week. We love checking in with you. We'll do it again. So Thursday, we'll be in to see you, Carrie. And then, brother, we were going to ask you if we could come in the following Thursday and have dinner at uh, 4 by Brother Luck. Uh, you could definitely come down. Um, I think that next Thursday, though, I'm actually heading out to Italy. My wife and I are celebrating 15 years of marriage. So we're going to depart Woo-hoo! for two weeks and uh, go, and, uh, go, go enjoy Italy. Well, congratulations. I think we'll wait till you get back. How's that? Definitely. Sounds good. So, brother's taking a trip to Italy, Jay. Mm-hmm. Think about that. that that's, that's not cheap. Airfare these days. Uh, <laughs> airfare uh-huh. these days. Thank you for that, brother. <laughs> I appreciate that little Hey, uh, what hotel are you staying at in Italy, <laughs> the Waldorf? brother? I, I want to see how many stars they have. <laughs> the, there you go. You guys uh, are the best. Yeah, Chef Carrie Baird, Bardo. Um, where, what's the address of Bardo, Carrie? Toot, toot. Two seven West 32nd. And brother? In Denver, Colorado. Four by Brother Luck? Uh, four by Brother Luck. We're located in Colorado Springs, uh, 321 North Tejon, right, uh, right downtown. Go see them. There's none better. These guys are great. Thank you, guys. We'll catch up soon. And there they are, contestants of season four, 15, 15 of uh, Top Chef. That's, that's, are you uh, you're playing tic-tac-toe with that phone? Did you get them? Just had to drop him. Brian Freeman texts me. He says he's down the street. He thought the show came on at 8. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to blame that on you. Yeah, well, of course he did. You know why? Why? Well, because you probably should have checked in with him, said 6 o'clock. I'll meet you outside at 5.30. You're uh, you're actually absolutely right, and it pains me when you are right because you're right most of the time, and uh, it's uh, it's gross, and it hurts my feelings. Uh, You're in review is kind of going to come up here, and then we're going to check in with Chef Linda Hampton. So, so far, this show, three mm-hmm. kitchens, 
three great kitchens. Mm-hmm. Bardot, Carrie Baird, mm-hmm. uh, four by Brother Luck with mm-hmm. Brother Luck, you know, mm-hmm. two celebrity chefs right there. And That's then right. we'll go into another kitchen, the Bindery in Lohi. One of the hottest new restaurants out I'll here. I'll tell you what, and she is just something else. I mean, uh, if you have an opportunity to get into the Bindery, and actually we're going to tell you in the next segment of uh, their New Year's Eve and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then we'll talk it in the kitchen at 645 uh, and talk about her chef's table and, and an opportunity. I'm telling you, if you enjoy food, you enjoy the Col- uh, Colorado culinary scene, um, it, it's just that's your jam. You need to get in on this lottery. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's it changes, the and I, not to be over dramatic, but it changes the way you look uh, when you go out, when you go dine, when you sit there and you see how hard these chefs work and all the prep and the thing that goes in. Because you always have to keep in mind, too, Greg, you know, they're not back there just cooking for you. They're back there cooking for a whole restaurant, you mm-hmm. know, and a whole restaurant of people that's saying, I don't want onions or I want extra pickles or I want, you know, this. So to watch these guys and girls in action is something that it's very rare to be able to have the opportunity to do it, you know, three feet from where they're doing it here's something else that's rare we live in colorado and and i think that you know in 2017 my eyes really opened up to our brewery scene Mm -hmm. Um, so many great breweries here in colorado and um, wait another one just opened one just opened that's your line but i stole it jonathan shikes he's a great writer he was one of the judges at our micro brew fest, mm-hmm. uh, a beer festival that we put on downtown in uh, October. Jonathan Shikes, he, he writes a great beer column. He's called the Colorado Beer, beer Guy for a reason. Mm-hmm. And he'll join us in the next hour along with Kyle Moyer from the Crafty Fox and uh, Bogies Beer and Wine. They're going to come in, kick back, relax. If you like a glass of scotch, like a glass of whiskey, uh, whatever your libation or your beer is, get it ready for the next hour. You're going to want to kick back, just relax, and kind of go through 2017 of the year in review when it comes to breweries, distilleries, and uh, just all the great things that we have to offer. And then we'll take a look forward into 2018, which I can't wait to happen. So happy New Year, Jay. You got a, uh, a New Year's resolution? I d- Can you I think d- of one during the break? I'll get one for the break. All right. TJ, you have a New Year's resolution? Oh, jeez. That's not a good one. <laughs> TJ here with us uh, behind the glass, uh, just doing great work for us. And we're so thankful that, um, you know, here it is, another holiday weekend, and she's here at work with I, us I for know. a couple hours. I know. She's, which is really cool. She's great. All right. We'll come back. We'll do a short segment on a couple of ideas for you for um, New Year's Eve. You know, make it a good one. Make it a relaxing one. Make it an eventful one. Make mm-hmm. a memory. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's what you want to do. So we'll get back and we'll do that, and then we'll do In the Kitchen, and then we'll go uh, talk about beer and libations when we uh, return. Right here, the Modern Eater Show, iHeartRadio. Hey, this is Dave Thibodeau from Ska Brewing down in Durango. You're listening to the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio. Do you have the goods? Jay Parker here for The Goods Restaurant. If you're looking for a neighborhood restaurant that features gluten-free menu items, stop by The Goods. Whether you're a vegetarian, vegan, gluten-free, or even a meat lover, they've got something for everyone. Get started with the vegan gluten-free tacos, warm corn tortillas, wood oven roasted veggies, pickled onions, shaved radish, tomatillo, fresh cilantro, and a house-made vegan sour cream. Wow! How about the best burger on planet Earth? One half pound of Aspen Ridge beef, lettuce, tomato, pickles, and never any 
hormones, antibiotics, or steroids, I recommend getting the Crispy Rosemary Fries. As a friendly neighborhood restaurant featuring dinner, brunch, and full bar with two daily happy hours, they truly care about you, the customer, and desire to provide an extraordinary dining experience for everyone. They are family and children friendly and even have a playroom for the little ones. The Goods, a friendly neighborhood restaurant who offer a wide menu of gluten-free, vegetarian, and vegan options, and they don't forget about the meat lovers with a staff that really cares. On East Colfax, directly connected to the Tattered Cover Bookstore. Hungry? TheGoodsRestaurant.com. Hi, I'm Andrew Moore, brewmaster at the Intrepid Sojourner Beer Project. At Intrepid Sojourner, beer tells a story inspired by my adventures as a well-traveled archaeologist. My recipes draw inspiration from all over the world, from historical styles like satis, grazers, and kvass, to adjunct beers inspired by flavors from international cuisines. My beers broaden the horizons of what beer can be. Explore basil IPA and Turkish coffee stout. Enjoy chai brown ale, taste lavender tripel, and the distinct horchata milk stout. Thoughtfully sourced spices and herbs enhance flavors inherent to indigenous beer styles. My sincere hope is that Intrepid Sojourner Beer Project will inspire adventure and wanderlust. Come visit the tap room and share your tales with friends and plan your next sojourn. Located at 925 West 8th Avenue in the heart of the Arts District on Santa Fe. For everything Intrepid, look us up online at sojournerbeers.com and remember to drink globally, locally. All right, back to the show in just a minute with some New Year Eve ideas. But uh, right now, you just heard Intrepid Sojourner Beer Project, a great uh, Colorado brewery, just uh, really killing it. But here's another one, new on the scene at Stanley Marketplace. It's Chaluna Brewing, and they focus on the good. That's their tagline. Uh, The inspiration comes from their brewer and owner, uh, Javi, and his wife, Jennifer, with their German and Mexican heritage. It lends to delicious balanced flavors that stand out in a market saturated with extremes. Um, go stop in to the Stanley Marketplace. They have one of those deals to where you can grab some food from any place in Stanley and then go on into Chaluna and sit down and have a delicious beer. Again, focused on the good, family owned and operated, Javi and Jennifer. Their uh, Mexican-themed brewery is beautiful. It's inspired from... Uh, Mexico, and you can go in for a happy hour, $1 off all pints Mondays and Tuesdays from 5 to 6 p.m. and Wednesdays and Fridays from 3 to 6 p.m. Voted 5280's Top of the Town 2017 Editor's Choice Best New Brewery. It's Chaluna Brewing Company. Uh, their their beers are like a German wit beer and a chili-covered mango wedges. Uh, you can also uh, taste this delicious habanero chili and mango beer. Uh, just do yourself a favor. It's at Stanley Marketplace, 2501 Dallas Street in Aurora. 2501 Dallas Street in Aurora. Check them out at Chaluna.com. C-H-E-L-U-N-A.com. Chaluna Brewing Company. Ciao, Tutti. It's Elise Wiggins. You want me to go ahead and do it? From Tattoo Bella, the chef of the year from Eater Denver. One more time, one more time. And you are listening to the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio. All right, we found him. I love it. Look what the cat dragged in, or look what Jay dragged in. It's our new friend. Uh, just fell in love immediately with him, Brian Freeman, Growers Organic. Uh, Brian's in studio with us tonight on a Saturday evening on the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio. And, Brian, we got to welcome you back, man. How are you? Holy smokes. Thanks for having me back. What a wonderful night. Thank you. Yeah. Did you wait, You had dinner tonight? 
uh, I actually left in the middle there. Oh, well, I was, but it was it was totally my bad. Um, yeah, but we were having a little. It was a birthday party, and I'm, I'm wondering how many people go to a place like Benihana for their birthday a lot. holiday. It's it has to be their biggest like sure. You know, it's a show. Yeah, it's not really good food, but it's a great show. Did they uh, uh, flip a uh, something into your mouth? Yeah, the eggs and the like, the shrimp. I mean, he threw so many things around the table. It was good because it keeps the kids entertained. Yeah, squirt you know some I mean? sake in your mouth from twenty oh, yes. feet. <laughs> you know what's funny is uh, I've only been to Benihana once and I didn't eat. Why? I was meeting a girl there and she showed up and goes, uh, "I don't like you anymore," and we left. That was it. That's wow. my Benihana story. You want me to tell it again? It's depressing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Was that let's on wait, your birthday? Let's wait till the next segment. I'll tell that story again for you. She didn't take you out for some froyo or something like that? No, and I was actually excited to sit down and eat, and I thought it was going to be cool, but it was one of these things where it's like she showed up, and it really wasn't me. She just she was a particular type of woman, and she was like, I don't really like the scene here. I'm not a comfortable, and I have to do what the woman says, you know, so, so uh, you we left. So packed it up and yeah. left, huh? We just left, yeah. Wow. I know. Did the, you have a Second date? Uh, we did, but this is uh, going down a very dark path because it was just one of the just tragedies of my personal life. Oh, jeez. Yeah. All right. no, yeah. No, uh, not a tragedy for her, but for me. No happy ending. So no, speak. no, definitely not. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, New Year's. Uh, so during the break, you were running down there, but I tasked your mind, Jay, with uh, what's your New Year's re- resolution? Mm-hmm. What, what is it? Uh, Why well, I, th- I didn't have time to think of it. <laughs> I was no because right when we went the... to break, I had to run downstairs and grab Brian. Ask Brian, maybe he has one. Brian, do you have one? Uh, yes, actually, I'm going to uh, accomplish a sommelier. Really? That's my my you know 2018. I'm going to go big, and it might take me more than just one year. Far but, out. Uh, yeah, it might take me a couple of years, yeah, but it's a. Uh, there you. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. You my uh, sound better though. Learning close, the ropes right? here. Yes, yeah. definitely. <laughs> my <laughs> New Year's resolution is to eat more organic food. That's a good one, actually. Yeah, it's close yeah. to my heart. And and I, and, I'm, and I don't, you know, I mean, I've actually been doing that, and I did say that a little bit just to grease you over, because you know. But I've actually, good. I've actually been doing that since I've met uh, uh, Brian, and unfortunately, I haven't been doing it from Growers Organic just because it's not where I live, and I have we haven't got dialed in with my package to show up yet. But at just at my local store, it's knowing Brian and and talking about the things we talk about. I've been going down that aisle. You know, in the produce section, and I've been. Uh, put- well, you've come a long way. You, yeah. you remember that time that you said uh, organic? My body's just lucky to get an apple in it. Yeah, and when I still and I still feel that way for for the most part. You know, I mean, I still think a uh, a, a non organic apple is better than the, the Snickers uh, yes. for you. You know, right? Definitely. Yeah. I'm glad no Definitely. one asked me because. I don't want to say. What is it? What's Greg? I don't want to say. Greg. Um, So next segment is going to be cool because we're going to check in with Chef Linda Hampton Fox from uh, The Bindery. And we made a good connection this week. I think that that's really cool. And big ups to you, Brian. You put out such a lovely Instagram post, so thoughtful and nice, about your experience at her chef's table inside of The Bindery. Did you have fun? Linda is, I mean, such an incredible person all around mm-hmm. um what she's done at the bindery yeah is just it's she's taken it up like five notches it's staggering um, isn't it I, w- I felt so honored to be able to sit at that chef's table the other night i can't wait to hear in the next segment we'll uh, do that yeah. but so here new year's eve plans brian you know, I'm remember old. Yeah. Now hide I know, out. Right? I know I look like I'm 16. Uh, but... You do. <laughs> and actually, did you get a haircut? 
uh, no, I did put a little gel. Oh, in you it, did. Though. You know, I felt very specialist <laughs> around you guys. You know, I, I, I was Benny Hanna's. Yeah, he's like I gotta, I gotta get lubed up for a Benny Hanna's. <laughs> you, you do that, and you look like you got a little sun too. Uh, you yeah. look healthy. Thanks. You look Thanks. really healthy. I was in a delivery happy. truck today, going all over town. Uh, doing, I, you know, it's living the living the great life. You yeah. Know? Get used to this voice. You're going to hear Brian on the Modern Eater quite a bit. Um, again, just a new great friend, and we instantly hit it off with him. So a couple of things going on. Um, the Goods, a, a, a restaurant that we're close with. I've been there for dinner in the past two nights in a row. Have you? Yeah, and Mark Whistler, I'll tell you, the owner of the goods, I love family-owned and operated places. I love guys that are just hustling. There's no job too big, too small. They'll do it all. You need you need a catch-up? I'll go run out and get that. Uh, mm-hmm. Host stand, uh, let me seat you. Is there anything mm-hmm. I can get you? How was your dinner? Uh, the whole nine yards. Uh, uh, recommendations of things. He just he, He's one of those guys that where he really wants to think, uh, see things work. And the Goods Restaurant, they're doing kind of a gimme, a giveaway, a $50 pre-ticket. Uh, if you if you give them a call at 303-355-5445, which I would actually do, 355-5445, $50 pre-ticket or $70 at the door. He's going to do a, pre, uh, a fixed three-course New Year's Eve dinner. And uh, I'm telling you, he will make sure that you're taken care of. And it's one of those things to where the, the, the beer, the libations, they'll be flowing. The food will be delicious. You'll have a great time at the Goods Restaurant. Also, the Bindery. Um, tomorrow night, I'm going to sneak down to the Bindery, right? Jealous. And um, you can go. I know you live up in the hills, and it's one of those things to where it's amateur night, and it's not necessarily you that will cause the trouble. You just want to stay out of the way of other people. I, I fully get it. Uh, but the Bindery is going to have a delicious menu tomorrow night, and New Year's Eve, you've got the clear look being in uh, low high there on uh, Central Avenue to just look downtown and, and get that view of all the fireworks. That'll be cool. Let's take a break, guys. We'll come back with Linda Hampton Fox, uh, chef and owner there at the Bindery, and also another person that she had at the chef's table. Not Didn't sit with you, though. And what's her name? Marie. Marie. Marie didn't sit with you. She sat there another night, but it'll be great to get everybody's perspective of that chef's table. What do you think? Are you game? Yeah, oh, I love to talk. love to talk. And then the next hour, are you a fan of beer, Brian? Yes. You are? Yes. Colorado breweries? Yes. Distilleries? I can tell you some old stories, yes. Good. Uh, none better. He's gonna, Brian's co-hosting the show with here, us here tonight, so he was tardy, but that's okay. Hey, it he, was your le- fault, le- he left dinner. Can you smell Benny Hanna's? I can smell Benny Hanna's in him. Can you smell it? <laughs> no. Yeah, oh, I can because they do the open kitchen yeah. thing with the smoke. It's not yeah. like he's, you know, hey, you smell like food. But he came in, and I'm like, I'm hungry. And I'm like, what's that smell? It's Brian. Oh, we were smoking. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Next hour, Brian, um, from the Crafty Fox and Bogey's Beer and Wine, friend of the show, Kyle Moyer. He knows so much about beer and libations. He actually helped us put on the Micro Brew Fest, um, our big signature event with over 50 Colorado, or 50 craft breweries. Uh, he's going to be in studio with us, and then by telephone will be uh, Jonathan Shikes from Westward, who's the Colorado beer man. So the Colorado beer man's going to join us as well. As well, so kick back, relax, get a six pack of beer, get a, a couple of fingers of whiskey, whatever, whatever you want to do. Um, but make sure you stay tuned for that. We'll come up next in jumper in the kitchen at that chef's table. She's one of our favorites. It's Linda Hampson Fox. She'll be up next, right from the bindery, talking about the chef's table right here on the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio. Hi, I'm Bobby Stuckey, Master Sommelier from Frosca Food and Wine in Boulder, Colorado. 
and you're listening to The Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio. It's my distinct pleasure to introduce you to The Bindery, eatery, market, and bakery. Hi, I'm Chef Linda Hampton fox owner of The Bindery. My life's journey has taken me through Switzerland, France, Italy, and Mexico, and has allowed me to create a menu at The Bindery that I think you'll find truly unique. The Bindery combines a market and bakery with an elevated fine dining experience under the same roof. We are proud at The Bindery to provide artisanal foods made by hand in small batches. Join us in the morning for an award-winning dragonfly coffee, a convenient market lunch, a crafted libation during happy hour, or an intimate dinner in the eatery. And don't forget about our amazing weekend brunch. Conveniently located in the Highland neighborhood at 1817 Central Street, just exit I-25 on 20th and park in one of our 55 covered free parking spaces. For our menus and all things The Bindery, look us up online at thebinderydenver.com. And remember, food is one of life's great pleasures, and I look forward to you being my next guest. Hey, it's Greg Holland back for Gluten-Free Things. Are you intolerant or sensitive to gluten? Or maybe you're a gluten-free lifestyler? Is your menu limited because you've eliminated gluten from your diet? Are you missing the taste of foods that traditionally contain gluten? What if I told you that you can add breads, pizzas, muffins, cakes, cookies, waffles, croissants, English muffins, the list goes on right back to your menu. Gluten-Free Things is a local gluten-free and vegan bakery that reintroduces you to the foods you love. Owner John Irvin believes gluten-free shouldn't taste like the box that it's packaged in. Trust me when I tell you the products from his bakery in Arvada are fresh, flavorful, and masterly crafted, leaving you with a product that tastes like the real thing. Simply delicious. The bakery is located in Arvada on 64th and Sims across the street from Arvada West High School. Check out their website at glutenfreethings.com. You'll be amazed with the variety of gluten-free products they make. And chefs, don't leave your gluten-free restaurant guests without options. Contact John at info at glutenfreethings.com. That's info at glutenfreethings.com to see what he can do for you. Give him a shot. 11651 West 64th Avenue in Arvada. It's gluten-free things. Okay, we're going to jump to the bindery in just a minute with Chef Linda Hampson Fox, but I have to tell you about this gentleman. First of all, congratulations to Jeff and Kristen Rourke, who had a Christmas baby. That's right. That's right. Happy birthday. What a gift. Uh, Jeff and Kristen Rourke, they're fantastic people. Family owned and operated, it's A-plus beverage solutions, and you need an A-plus report card on your faucets. If you're pouring delicious Colorado craft beer, you have to pour it just like the brewers intended it to taste. Uh, it's so important to pour efficient beer. If you're not pouring efficient beer, Jay, what are you doing? You're pouring your money down the drain. Please, I beg of you, don't pour your money down the drain. You look foolish when you have that big old foamy head and you're spooning it out. And, and people it's, notice. It's not the right temperature. Jeff Rourke's going to make sure he's doing all that for you. You already have your draft lines installed. That's fine. Jeff Rourke's going to come by and tell you what you need to do to get an A-plus report card for your draft lines. Draft line uh, build-outs, he's one of the most tr- trusted man in the business. Punchbowl Social flies him out all over the place to uh, set that up. And then downtown, uh, the new Tap Four is opening up very, very soon on 19th Avenue down there by D-Bar and Keegan Gerhardt. But Jeff just put in 70 lines that will pour uh, delicious Colorado craft beer. So Jeff Rourke, A-plus Beverage Solutions. We can't say enough about him. 720-272-3809. 720-272-3809. Congratulations to Jeff and Kristen Rourke for their new Christmas baby. Whose cuisine reigns supreme? 
You're listening to the Modern Eater Show. The ultimate gourmet challenge. And it's time for In the Kitchen. Brought to you by Gluten-Free Things, a dedicated gluten-free bakery in Arvada. All right, this is fun. We're going to spend a few minutes with her and on hold Chef Linda Hampson Fox on the VIP line and then Marie, who was a guest at the chef's table. We'll first bring on Chef Linda Hampson Fox, who's in the kitchen at the bindery as we speak. And in studio, Greg Hollenbach, Jay Parker, and co-hosting tonight with us is Brian Freeman from Growers Organic. How are you, Linda? Oh, we're great. Thanks, guys. How are you? Uh, very, very well, and it's so much fun to catch up with you, Chef. Um, first of all, tomorrow night, if you could just tell us what's going on there on New Year's Eve, and I need to change my reservations to 9.30 if I can. 9.30? <laughs> I know. My, my girlfriend's in the service industry, and she doesn't get cut loose until 9 o'clock. It's terrible. That's fine. That's perfect. We will. Um, can't wait to see you here. We have two seatings tomorrow night to welcome in the new year, uh, 6 o'clock and at 8.30, which you'll show up at 9.30, which is fine. <laughs> oh, man. And, oh, <laughs> and uh, we have a beautiful menu, um, uh, a, um, very similar in inspiration to our traditional menu, um, but uh, you'll be seeing some new dishes coming out of our kitchen tomorrow night. And um, it's very exciting. It's in Lohi. It's called The Bindery and just rave reviews. It's reservations only tomorrow night, New Year's Eve. Artisan tasting menu includes live music, fireworks, view, and you've got the view straight to downtown for those fireworks displays. And a bubbly toast to cap the year. And it's fantastic. If you're uh, like me, like Brian, like Jay, and we, you know, we want to stay away from uh, amateur night, you, you want to go to the bindery and just relax and have a good time because uh, Chef Linda will make sure you're right at home. Uh, let's do this. Let's talk about your chef's table. First of all, we'll bring on to the line with us. It's Marie, and Marie's had an opportunity to sit at the chef's table. So has Brian. I'm going to let Brian take this over and go ahead, Brian, with your first impression of that dinner you had at the chef's table. Oh, my first impression was I want to move in. Um, one of the best dinners. It was just the atmosphere, the food, though, really outshined at every level. Um, and I, I got to admit, there was a little personal touch from Linda, and it was incredible. She's chef. You're such an, a gracious host and incredible, oh. incredible person in that kitchen there. It was, it was such a wonderful night. Hi, Marie. How hey. are you? I'm Thank good, you. and I'm here with my husband, Jeff. And we had the most amazing night at our chef's table. Um, it was so incredible. I couldn't leave without kissing the cooks. <laughs> on the mouth or on the cheek? Well, no, I, I didn't want to scare them. And what'd your husband think of that? Yeah. In the, in the name of food, I'm sure he said everything's fine as long as in, in the name of food. Linda, take a second. So here's how it works. It's a, a lottery-based. And how yeah, do you, how do you sign up to get into the lottery, which is truly that? It's a, a randomly picked, and you have the opportunity to have four guests at the chef's table inside of your kitchen. How does that work? You can do it online or while dining here at the restaurant. Um, the server will bring you a card, and you can fill out your email and phone number, and then it goes into our lottery system. Yeah, that's really cool. So I got to ask you, Brian, we'll go to you first. Uh, w w worth it? Would you do that? Oh, my gosh. Every night? <laughs> or 
<laughs> is it every night, Linda? <laughs> right now, it is only one night in the week. Um, perhaps, Brian, we can we can accommodate more nights. But uh, right now, it is one night during the week. And that's fantastic. Marie, um, you know, listen, is that something that you would love to do again? Absolutely. 100%. I still dream about the cauliflower soup we had that night and the mushroom. I think the mushrooms are in a Ponzi sauce. That was so amazing. Um, that's still in my mind. What stood out to you, Brian? Uh, the steak tartare. It was a, It had a little twist, and it was just uh, awesome at every level. I, I, You know, so many people are afraid to serve a dish like that because you've, you've really got to have some good meat. Yeah. And uh, they, they hit the nail. Did their G, their uh, GM Zach take care of you? Oh, uh, he the, his yeah his knowledge of wine, and uh, he even did a little gin pairing with one of the dishes, and it was perfect. That, that was really fun because it was actually um, a clam and fresh pasta, handmade pasta dish, um, and it was such a clever pairing. I, I was also really impressed by how he put that together. Did Brian behave himself? Well enough, definitely. No, he was great. Well, so what's really fun about the chef's table, too, um, is not only are you in the kitchen, which I designed it with the idea of having the chef's table happen, um, you know, bringing guests in and having them sit right in the middle of the two lines and being able to watch other food that's being created for our guests that are in the dining room. And then the chefs themselves... Um, uh, taking inspiration from uh, our guests at the chef's table. Linda, and I got to direct people to thebinderydenver.com to get in on that lottery, and I appreciate both of you gals' times. We're going to come back with uh, Kyle Moyer and Jonathan Shikes. Bad, immoral, and wrong. This is the Modern Eater Show. Piping hot and delicious. The Modern Eater. Now your hosts, Greg Hollenbeck and Jay Parker. Yes, indeedy, Mr. Tweedy. Here we are in the <laughs> iHeart Studios. The Modern Eater Show continues. Greg Hollenbeck, Jay Parker, co-hosting this out. These are this is great. I am excited. You need to kick back and relax at home. Grab your crack open a beer. Grab a couple fingers of scotch because. Uh, co-hosting with us from Growers Organic, Brian Freeman in studio with us, and uh, our favorite, Mr. Kyle Moyer from the Crafty Fockets and Bogey's Beer and Wine. How are you, Kyle? I'm doing well. How are you boys doing? I don't know about favorite, but he's all right. <laughs> oh, thanks, Jay. Yeah. Brian, how are you doing? Uh, so much even better now that yeah. your your boy Kyle is here. He uh, brought some gifts, which is it's kind of funny because I said to Kyle, I said before he comes in. Uh, first of all, in next seg- is it next segment is uh, Jonathan Shikes seven fifteen yeah. seven fifteen. So we're gonna get him a little early. I figure we're gonna want to spend a lot of time with us. Um, Jonathan Shikes from Westward, the Colorado beer man. He'll be on with us. But in the meantime and in between time, I was talking to Kyle on the phone. I said, hey, man, how about uh, making a little cameo tonight? Kind of a year in review. It's been a little while. You know, he travels the world and mm-hmm. tastes indigenous uh, libations from everywhere. I think he just got back from Mexico. 
But uh, I said, Kyle, how about bringing some scotch in? He, he said, okay, fine, I'll do that. Then I said, hey, how about a six-pack of beer? And then he goes, is this why you invited me in? Was it because you wanted yeah. some booze on the show Hey, can tonight? you pick up a pizza on your way in, too, you know? <laughs> Truth be told is I actually did call him out on it, too. You did. I totally did. <laughs> But we're pals, and you should, right? <laughs> exactly. No, totally. Uh, what, are we, what are we tasting? Well, I, I did bring some beer, but we're going to wait for uh, uh, Colorado Beer Man to talk probably beer and, and more things about uh, the brewing industry. But I brought a scotch, uh, one I've actually never had before, uh, and I was sitting on my shelf, and I was like, this is a perfect opportunity. It looks like a good one. I uh, kind of read up on it, and sure enough, we just opened it, and I personally think it's delicious it's called benriac and it's a 10-year space side scotch and it's got a lot of flavor to it for a 10-year yeah i mean you you get a lot more barrel than i anticipated i mean 10 years you know domestically here that's that's great that's a lot a lot of age but sometimes when you get with these scotches um 10 is not necessarily a, a whole lot so i get a lot of barrel uh more bell, barrel than i thought i would you know for for this 10-year and um a lot of neat fruits like green fruits and little lemon zest um so I, I get more more fruits and i get more barrel than i kind of thought i thought i might get a lot more of the spicy notes but i even get some vanilla and i'd imagine that's probably from the ex-bourbon because it's an ex-bourbon cask an ex-sherry cask um blend here so i I'm get a lot of that. vanilla too it's it's good i'm getting that too uh interesting because brian you're a whiskey guy right yes yeah. yes you and like this it? is mellowed it's i'll tell you i think this is awesome for a 10-year I mean, it's it is a really nice Scotch whiskey. Is it a Scotch whiskey or a Scotch? It's it's a Scotch whiskey. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, again, I mentioned it's a space side uh, Scotch. So you know, for anybody listening in, obviously, if they're Scotch drinker, they know you know the the different areas in Scotland. So um, this is a north northeastern um, area of Scotland, and and is pretty traditional to taste. Um, you know, for you, what do you expect from up there? Not smoky, not peaty. You know, a lot of Scotch drinkers just assume Scotch is always peaty. I don't get any of that out of this guy. It's great, a lot of flavors, and you know, it's it's neat. I'm I'm glad I, you know, have a bottle of it. Yeah. <laughs> just in the past year, I was telling Jay this that um, you know, and thanks to you, Kyle, because uh, my knowledge of, of beer, wine, libations has come so far, and just my palate's opened up. But, I mean, he, I was a guy that was like, who's this guy, Glenn, that lives in, <laughs> that lives in Scotland? You know, what, what are I, what, Glenn Levitt, you know, go on down the list. I uh, just didn't really know too much about it. But now I'm, uh, I'm drinking scotch like a boss. Yeah. You know, I was putting glasses in the freezer and changing it with an ice cube. And Moyer, you were always like, oh, why don't you just bastardize that scotch there? Just take a delicious scotch and ruin it. And now it's like I'm drinking it out of a... A snifter or a, a small what's a small scotch glass that you would use that would have uh, able to get a lot of nose from uh traditionally the glencairn glass is my favorite and it's got a a, a bigger bottom and then kind of i i guess gets tighter as you go up sure. the glass and then kind of opens a tulip yeah kind of it's a little bit different um but it's got kind of a smaller uh area for the nose so you know you you can release a lot of the aromas towards the bottom and then they all um what would be the word? I guess they'd all tunnel to the top where you can really, you know, focus on what's in the glass versus what's around the glass. And that's my favorite. If I see a Glencairn, that's what I'm drinking out of, you know, with maybe a dab of water. For sure. And and just uh, that dab of water will change the complexion of it just a bit to proof it down 
a little bit. But um, again, using the right tools and equipment for that, Scott. Now, I, I, it's on the Modern Eater Facebook page, but I found this video. Have you seen this video of how to how to drink scotch like a sir? How to drink whiskey like a sir? <laughs> was it was it a little silly? It was, it, it was a little cheeky. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I did watch that, actually. I, I was entertained by that. Yeah, so as he um, – so he's, he does this. He's like um, – he takes it, and you're, you introduce it to your nose, and you bring it up four, four or five times. One of it's, hello, <laughs> how are you? I am fine. Thank you very much. And right. then you bring it into your nose. And then at that point in time, you want to introduce it to your palate, but you introduce it to your nose first, right? Right. Absolutely. And I mean, it's the same thing with food and wine and, you know, anything you're putting in your body because you've got to get an understanding of what you're about to, you know, eat or drink. So uh, you get a lot of the notes, you know, when, when you sniff it, obviously everything, the first sniff, the first uh, taste, you always got to take with a grain of salt. You you are training your palate with the first one, so you can't really judge on the first taste or sniff. So, this by smelling, you know, the the whiskey, you obviously get an idea of what you're working with. Get all the notes, get everything you can. Um, take another one, and then uh, you know, try a little sip. And then after the first sip, what I traditionally do is, I'll drink not, no water. I mean, I'll never have ice, but do I won't add any water. At no. First, or do you proof it down once you've trained your palate? Uh, after that? after I've seen what it is without anything, you know, I'll try I'll, again. I'll take a taste. Okay, this is what I'm working with. Then I'll be able to do another taste, and then I'll really be able to dissect it more because um, I know what I'm you know what I'm drinking. Uh, I'll go back and forth like that for a little bit, and then I'll add a little water. Not much at all. I wouldn't even necessarily necessarily say I proof it down. I just add water to open it up, and that's the most I'm ever going to do with you know a, a whiskey or any spirit. How far down that uh, whiskey path do you go? Uh, well, I'm I'm loving what he's saying right here, and I want I wanted to ask. You know, did did you hear about this thing? It came out about a month ago that they're saying now you should introduce like either water or ice because it opens it up. Did you hear about right. that like a month or so ago? Yeah, yeah. No, I've heard that, and I've always felt that way. Every time I've uh, you know gone to a class or talked to distillers or anybody who knows way more than I do, they say the same thing. Primarily not ice, though, because ice will obviously it'll really proof it down once ice melts and everything, but it will freeze the molecules, which will lack you. You won't be able to taste the full the full uh, product when you know the the molecules are frozen or slightly frozen. Hence, why you freeze bad vodka. Or any bad spirit. You yeah. freeze it so you can go take a shot and not taste it. Yeah, don't put a cube sure, yeah. in, in your yeah. whiskey anymore. Yeah. Well, oh, it, it, I, well I, I'm loving it because it totally makes sense in my world. It's all about a tomato, you know, and you'd right. never get a tomato colder than 58. No one ever knows that. But, right, you right. Know, it's reality unless you want some mealy thing. Right. You know? but, about that. But, you know, if you are the guy that, you know, or girl that wants to just get drunk and, and you know, have a party, then freeze it all you want and, yeah. and you won't taste it. So, um, you know, we all, I think we've all been there, you know, at one point of our lives. Uh, and I know Jay has at least. Uh, with the freezing of the liquor? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, I, fireball. I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I freeze everything. My deodorant, uh, tomatoes, <laughs> liquor. Tomatoes. I, I, I like it all frozen. Well, when I met, we were do, you were uh, you were doing luge shots, weren't you? Off that like seven foot ice luge no, of Jägermeister or something. I, I have that was my cousin. He's a twin, but we have different parents. Uh, but I mean, it, it all just depends on the mood I'm in. You know what's funny is that it's no secret that I'm sober these days, right? And I'll tell you what I and, and I did it for. I and I always like to tell people it wasn't court ordered, you know, because that's the first thing people think when you say you're sober. They're oh, like, absolutely. Oh, the judge, yeah, they really. And it's like, oh man, I really. It's a like a midlife crisis, or and or uh, just 
changing of being 40, and I've decided to dry out and, and look at the world with those with those eyes. And it's not often that I, uh, I don't know, I guess crave liquor, beer, or anything like that until I get into these conversations and listen to people like Kyle talk about uh, the whiskey. And that's when it's like, you know, uh, I'll, I'll enjoy it again, right? But it's, it's literally I haven't been able to enjoy these spirits with the knowledge I have because of how long I've, you know, I haven't had a drink. So it's like when I was drinking, I was, yeah, I'll put ice on it because I don't know any better. And I, you know, and I hadn't learned as much. Now that I know I have the information. And it's know. so, and you really do come into this. But um, uh, next segment, we're going to join Jonathan Shikes from Westward, Colorado, Beer Man. But I want to throw this at you, Kyle. I explained to people that with Scotch, Scotch whiskey, the experience that comes along with it, the process that we just spoke about, um, takes it takes a little involvement, but it's, it is that it's an experience. But I believe that it you're not getting drunk. You're in a sense you're getting a high from that. It's a different body feel to that. Am, am I far off from that? No, not at all. I mean, I I would have to say I rarely like get drunk um, because you're drinking for the experience and for the enjoyment, you know, and, and especially when you get to a certain level, you really like to pick it apart and then maybe compare it to something else, you know? Um, so I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And I think, you know, there's a certain level, you don't have to be any sort of export expert or anything. You just need to be interested in it. And by being interested and, um, you know, putting a little, um, education, you know, uh, in, into, into it and studying a little bit, you'll really learn kind of what you like, what fits your palate, and then kind of be able to, you know, experiment and stuff. And it does give you a little bit of a high versus, you know, a buzz versus, you know, actually getting drunk and, and blacking out and, and yeah. stuff. I mean, you can ride the snake <laughs> with it, with that a good scotch and sit down and, and enjoy that experience and, and nothing better than to have that with friends. Oh yeah, absolutely. To talk about it. To talk. What are you tasting? Uh, what comes out? What do you? What notes or and flavors are you getting? I mean, you dialed it right on with this um, scotch that we're sampling tonight. That you get those notes in the vanilla and and the the barrel, the the sherry barrel. So it's just it's so delicious. I just can't. What's the jump across as we go to Jonathan Shikes in the in the um, next segment? From how do you enjoy that experience that we're talking about to the craft beer? I mean, the first example, um, I didn't bring any samples, but, you know, maybe a, a bourbon or scotch barrel-aged beer. Obviously, that's super popular nowadays, especially being here in Colorado, is there's a lot of beer that are aged in whiskey barrels. So, you know, that's that's a neat transition. Um, there's there's different grains and, and malts and stuff that, that could technically be similar and, and tasting notes, but... Um, you know, it, it all goes down the same way. So it's just kind of, for me, the mood I'm in, what I'm interested in doing, what I'm, in, what I'm eating, how do I want to pair it? So, um, I mad, I imagine Jonathan will have, you know, some, some creative ideas, you know, mixing the two. What do you start with beer or whiskey? I primarily do beer. Um, I do too. There's something about that. The first of all, the carbonation that gets my belly ready. I would want to say, yeah. And, and then at the same time, the cleansing of the palate too, because you're about to get that burn factor when you introduce that whiskey to your mouth, and then that wears off just a bit. But I think the beer is a, a great lead-in. Absolutely, and and I primarily like um, bourbon. And I really like the caramel and vanilla in a lot of the bourbons I drink. So it's almost, I don't want to say sweet or dessert-like, but, you know, you, ha you have a little bit of, of whiskey and then you're ready to go to bed. It's, it's somewhat harder to go to bed, on, you know, when your belly's full of beer. 
So I, I would traditionally say beer and then move into whiskey and then call it a night. What do you think, Brian? Whiskey or beer first? Uh, you know, I, I would agree. I do beer first, but I might just start it with whiskey and finish with whiskey all the way to the end. You know, maybe finish it off with a little bit of grandma or something like that to go to bed. <laughs> but yeah, uh... <laughs> not a bad idea at all. I got to tell you, and I'm almost sad from it, but um, the, the old fashions were doing me no favor. First of all, with my weight and then the sugar intake and then your head just pounds in the morning and it's got to be that sugar because when that's you it. have a good clean scotch night uh, you're not getting any of that in the a.m. and that's appreciated uh, a lot all right uh, you guys ready for jonathan shikes yeah absolutely love Coming to talk to him all right we're gonna take a quick break we'll come back um none better he's westward's uh, beer writer right is that how you would say it? yeah he's a, a, a fr- technically a freelance journalist over at the westward but and he's he's the beer he's the guy doing all the beer stuff who do you think's the the best known in the Colorado market when it comes to uh, talking about beer and writing about beer? I would say Jonathan. I, I If I see any of my businesses written up by him, I get a little, little excitement going. Yeah. I'm yeah. No, I, I, I would. There's there's a couple, um, but he's definitely probably one of the bigger ones out there, better ones. Well, here's the, the um, largest highlight of his life was he was a judge at the Microbrew Fest. Oh, I bet that made his t- – <laughs> I want to ask if he got a you know a big paycheck you know out of that yeah absolutely. you know for dropping that on the resume. It's it, twenty eighteen is going to be great, but looking back at twenty seventeen and just the growth with the breweries in uh, Colorado, I wonder if he's a whiskey fan. He's got to be, got to be. We'll uh, ask him. Yeah, I don't know. All right, Jonathan Shikes up next. He's a Colorado beer man and he writes for Westward. It'll be next on the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio. Hey, this is Dave Thibodeau from Ska Brewing down in Durango. You're listening to the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio. Brews beers at 67th and Pecos. Belgium, a country the size of Maryland, is home to more than 600 beers. Belgians take their beers very seriously, and Belgian beers are some of the most interesting beers in the world. If you'd like to sample fresh and authentic Belgian-style beers right here in Denver, the place to go is Brews Beers at 67th and Pecos. Brews does only Belgian-style and Belgian-inspired beers, and we do them like nobody else. Doubles, triples, quadruples, saisons, ambers, fit beers, sours, and specialty ales. There's always a great selection at Brews Beers. Sample a flight, take home a crowler or two, and bring your dog. They're always welcome at Brews. Take a beer tour of Belgium without leaving Denver. Brews Beers, spelled B-R-U-Z, at 1675 West 67th Avenue, Denver. Check us out at brewsbeers.com. Hey, it's Greg Holland back for Gluten-Free Things. Are you intolerant or sensitive to gluten? Or maybe you're a gluten-free lifestyler? Is your menu limited because you've eliminated gluten from your diet? Are you missing the taste of foods that traditionally contain gluten? What if I told you that you can add breads, pizzas, muffins, cakes, cookies, waffles, croissants, English muffins, the list goes on right back to your menu. Gluten-Free Things is a local gluten-free and vegan bakery that reintroduces you to the foods you love. Owner John Irvin believes gluten-free shouldn't taste like the box that it's packaged in. Trust me when I tell you the products from his bakery in Arvada are fresh, flavorful, and masterly crafted, leaving you with a product that tastes like the real thing. Simply delicious. The bakery is located in Arvada on 64th and Sims across the street from Arvada West High School. Check out their website at glutenfreethings.com. You'll be amazed with the variety of gluten-free products they make. And chefs, don't leave your gluten-free restaurant guests without options. Contact John at info 
at glutenfreethings.com. That's info at glutenfreethings.com to see what he can do for you. Give him a shot. 11651 West 64th Avenue in Arvada. It's Gluten-Free Things. Now, more of the Modern Drinker Show. That sounds nice. All right, back at it and uh, in studio in the iHeart Studios. Greg Hollenbach, Jay Parker, uh, co-hosting along with us, Kyle Moyer from the Crafty Fox and Bogey's Beer and Wine, and uh, Brian Freeman from Growers Organic. We we all love uh, scotch, whiskey, and uh, especially beer, and none better. First of all, before we bring him on the line, Jonathan Shikes is waiting for us, but I want to ask you guys, I want to give you a couple of headlines here, and I want you to tell me uh, what they all have in common. Uh, 30 amazing new Colorado beers from 2017. Small Colorado breweries are in the market to buy other existing breweries. And 16 breweries that plan to open in Denver in 2018. What do those headlines have all in common? Uh, my guess is Jonathan wrote about all three of those. They're all Jonathan articles <laughs> right there. And none better. The Colorado Beer Man uh, writes for Westward. And uh, there he is right now making an appearance. Welcome to the Modern Eater Show. Jonathan Shikes, how are you, sir? Thank you very much. I'm uh, great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no doubt. Cool. Lots to talk about, right? Yeah, there's... I mean, it just it seems like every day there's something new to talk about in, in craft beer, especially in Colorado. Well, first off, we got to ask you, in the last segment, we were kind of talking about scotch whiskey. Um, are you a fan? You know, um, I, my father-in-law is a big scotch drinker, and um, so he's trying to get me he's trying to get me into it. And I'm starting to I'm starting to see the I'm starting to see the light a little bit. Where'd you get your love for beer? I started homebrewing, I think, when I was 17, um, which is a little young to be homebrewing, but uh, that is when I did, and, and I tried beers that were like nothing I had ever had before, and it just kept building and building over time. So you got your hands on Charlie Papazian's book as a kid? I got my, yep, as a kid. I brewed in, in uh, brewed with a friend of mine in my mom's kitchen. We, uh, you know, it boiled over the top, and there was multi, you know, uh, Beer work everywhere in the oven and the stove. It was it was a mess, but uh, um, she forgave me, and I uh, have loved beer ever since. Well, let's dig in. I mean, here we go. You've just you you write about so many great things, and I would direct people to your Facebook page. But is that where you want people to go to see your work, Jonathan? Um, I mean, the best place to go is is uh, at westward.com. Yeah. Under the uh, you know in the food and drink blog, there that's that's where I post almost everything I write. I try to, you know, on Facebook and Twitter, I try to uh, to get the word out as well. I like I like reading about the comments on your Facebook, the commentary from the commentary. Yeah, those are always cool. Uh, yeah. Kyle Moyer's in studio with us, along with Brian Freeman and uh, Jay Parker, of course. But uh, Kyle, here's your guy. Say hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> hey, Kyle, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Good, good. So we tried our hand at a beer festival, and we'll start out with beer festivals this year, if you don't mind. Um, beer festival micro brew fest, and at first blush, uh, year one of a beer festival, and uh, the Crafty Fox, Kyle Moyer, uh, Jay, and myself um, with the Modern Eater Show, we put on a fifty brewery beer festival called Micro Brew Fest, and you were a judge of our IPA competition. What do you think of that beer festival? Um, I had a great time. I was I was under an overhang the entire time, and I think it was raining a little bit that day. So that's always difficult, to, you know, st- difficult to have uh, probably weather on a, on a beer fest. I had a blast. I didn't see anybody who wasn't smiling though, so I, I think probably everyone else had fun too. How do you frown when you're drinking delicious uh, craft beer, right? 
Yeah, and there was a lot of good ones, especially the IPAs uh, that were there that day. I think people brought out their best. Um, Great American Beer Festival. Did everybody go? I went. Uh, Jay went. Did you go, Brian? Yes. You yep. did? I was down there. Yep. Kyle, you went. Oh, absolutely. I, I got a hotel room and everything. I went all out. <laughs> you got a hotel room? I stayed at Hotel Teatro all week. It was a busy week. You had a golf cart, too, I bet, inside. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I, I stayed in one at one brewery the whole time and just drank their beer. Uh, pretty interesting that everyone in the room, including yourself, who's uh, on phone here tonight, but we all go. I think it's probably the largest premier beer festival around, right? Yeah, I think it's it's the largest commercial beer festival in the world, and um, uh, it just keeps getting bigger every year. Uh, you know, this year they had I think there were 900 breweries that you could taste. Um, I forget exactly how many beers they had, but it was you know it was somewhere in the range of 3,500 beers. Yeah, so you talk about growth, and they did a few adjustments as well. Um, but Great American Beer Festival has it grown too big. Well, uh, that's what a lot of people ask. You know, every year I think people wonder if they should break it out, have some regional competitions uh, where the, then the winners of those would maybe funnel into, uh, you know, the big festival in, in the fall every year in Denver. Uh, some people wish that some breweries from other parts of the country were more present, uh, especially the, the Northeast where there were really not very many breweries at all this year. So I think the Brewers Association, I think they review it every year. They, they take a look at it. Right now, I don't think they're going to make a lot of changes, but I, I think there are going to have to be some changes down the road. No shock to you, uh, Jonathan Shikes, um, Colorado beer man, that the Brewers Association had to do a little bit of changing as far as having big beer with such a huge presence inside of the festival. Yeah, this year they, they basically kept big beer out of the festival. Um, they, uh, they, they changed the rules so that, uh, certain, you could only have five beers from, from every brewing company, uh, or four, four or five beers from every company in the past. They could, uh, the big breweries could, every one of their divisions could have, um, could have, you know, could be represented. But for instance, Anheuser-Busch InBev, which owns a dozen formerly craft breweries, they could only have, they were only allowed to have, uh, 10 beers this year. And so they had to pick and choose. Where, where do you do you think that that was internal decision or pressure? No, I think that was internal decision. I think they're feeling, you know, they're, they're run by a board of directors, and the board of directors um, represent multiple size craft breweries all over the country. And I think they were, uh, you know, they're trying to stand up for for themselves and their businesses. Yeah, image is everything in craft beer, and it's it's not just a it's kind of a culture. I mean, it really is a culture. And the dynamics there within is kind of the, the one-off culture and the one-off beers in the breweries that just start out. And it's an interesting thing with the Brewers Association um, being an advocate for the one-offs, but growing themselves exponentially. I can only imagine the amount of cash that they may make from the Great American Beer Festival. But with the model of, of the advocate of the one-offs and small breweries and 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 not being you know huge giant ones, although they'll lift the ceiling for how many barrels of beer can be produced for the likes of Jim Cook at Sam Adams, and just in my guess, in my estimation. But we have Julia Hertz on; she's a friend of the show, and and Charlie Papazian every year at the Great American Beer Festival. But I've posed to them this question: It's a very interesting thing for the Brewers Association to kind of, I guess, control. Uh, their growth 
and be able to remain an advocate for the the one-offs and and not seemingly be this this giant of an association is there anything to that they they've got their work cut out for them because they represent the tiniest nano breweries you can imagine and then they represent like you mentioned um you know sam adams and boston beer company uh sam adams and boston beer company are by far the largest uh brewery in the, in the country um they're they're much bigger than even the, the second third and, and fourth largest craft breweries but yeah they've, they've 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 got their work cut out for them and, and the what the smaller breweries want i think these days are different than what the larger breweries want and i think it's hard to it's hard to, it's getting harder for them to find some middle ground yeah railing against big beers and, and basically positioning themselves against big beer um, it's interesting because we've talked to the likes of like Dave Thibodeau, who's a very open guy, and he'll say, well, let's get four or five breweries together and, and really do a different type of uh, association uh, advocacy. Um, and, and then you see, uh, you know, you go into these nuances of they've just instituted in 2017 a, uh, a label for, for breweries to adopt and put on their their beers to identify themselves as a craft brewery, an independent craft brewery. And it's such an interesting dynamic that you would need to delineate 90% of breweries are craft breweries against 2% of breweries that are uh, so-called big beer, but that 2% uh, has 80% market share. Is that craft beer label needed? That's a good question. Um, they, I think, for a, as a consumer, I, I think I would be confused. It's um, it's kind of to, kicking dust in the face of the consumer that you're not smart enough, and especially the craft beer uh, contingency, they they know their stuff. I think the majority of them, you know, the majority of the people who drink who drink craft beer know their stuff, but I think they want to attract people who maybe don't drink craft beer, but who are interested in supporting local companies. And I think that's what they're trying to do with that label uh, is to, you know, is to create that delineation to, so that people do know, because when you, if you go into the liquor store or if you go to, uh, you know, the football or the baseball stadium and you see Breckenridge Brewery, you know, that sounds like it's a, a local Colorado brewery. If you see Goose Island, they got an IPA, they have Cezanne, you know, they have the kind of beers that you wouldn't normally associate with big beer. Uh, and, uh, you know, and then there's 10 other companies that they own. Um, a lot of consumers, especially ones who maybe aren't as used to craft beer, don't, don't know who owns who. They, they just, they're just not keeping track. It's their busy people, you know. So I think they're hoping that maybe people will learn to look at that, to, to look at that uh, upside-down beer bow and, um, and, and be able to tell the difference. Yeah, I mean, but let's face it. First of all, that's a lot of real estate on a, on a bottle for um... – for a brewery to give up and secondly i always say follow the money i mean obviously the brewers association wants to increase membership and to give this free labeling um to kind of join the gang right it's join the game gang and then uh, we're going to get you for some dues yeah they've lost their biggest <laughs> some of their biggest members recently though so uh i think it would take a lot of small members to make up the dues that the largest ones who have been kicked out um paid before you know they, they've lost lagunitas they've lost ballast point they lost breckenridge um or they you know they kicked them out i guess yeah um and those are some of the those are some of the biggest breweries in the, in the country some of the biggest craft breweries in the country at one point uh so ha- how many tiny little breweries it takes to make up 
the dues that the, the bigger ones paid. Um, I'm not sure what that is. Oh, just great answers. All right, let's get into the fun stuff. Uh, Brian, you had a question there? Well, I want to ask Jonathan, do you think you should uh, put some type of uh, limit on the amount of barrels or gallons or liters that these brewers can make before they fall out of craft? Is is that something that they they think about when they're when they're giving this label of a craft beer? Yep. So there is there is actually a limit. Um, I believe it's six million barrels a year, and the only one who is even close to that is is Boston Beer Company. Um, yeah. The rest are not the rest are not close. And the problem is, is that when they get to that limit, that the Brewers Association raises it. So that, that you don't burst that bubble and you can remain in craft. It's a real interesting thing. I, I find everything, uh, the dynamics really uh, an interesting. It's political at the same sense as well. Let's get into the fun stuff. Let's get in. You, man, Jonathan, you get around. Uh, you get around, my man, and taste a lot of beer. First of all, I don't know how you do it, but is it, are you at a brewery every day? No, not every day. I try I try to get to as many as I can. I mean, I'm, I visit maybe one or a week. A lot of times it's the same ones. I try to get to as many different ones as I can. But, but uh, yeah, I get to I get to quite a few. It's it's a, it's an awesome awesome job. Yeah, and Moyer's got a good job too, where he sits at the Crafty Fox and reps come in all day long and and uh, <laughs> give him samples of beers that he wants to put on. And then I have my list of favorites, and and Brian, I'm sure you do as well. But I want everybody to while we take this quick break, just go on. And either get on westward.com or Google um, 30 Amazing New Colorado Beers from 2017. And this is from your perspective, these 30 Amazing New Colorado Beers, right, Jonathan? Yeah. Yep, I did this. Uh, you know, this, these, this is my, these are my tastes. I tend to run toward, uh, toward big hoppy IPAs, toward barrel-aged beers, mm-hmm. toward sweet stouts and that kind of thing. Um, but I have, you know, I drink a lot of different kinds of beers. And, and uh, if one stood out to me, I, I threw it on there. Um, but yeah, this this is you know based solely on the breweries I was able to visit the, and the beers that they had on then. I drink a lot of packaged beers because those are easier to to get a hold of uh, the liquor stores. Um, so it's it's just a mix of what I was able to try and what I really loved. All right, we'll have fun. Call you obviously, Kyle. You have a lot of beers that you'd like to mention as well from 2017. Yeah, absolutely. I imagine they're probably all on the list. I'll I'll take a peek at the list, but I think we have the article printed out in front of you. Well, I'll read it. All right, cool. Uh, one of my favorite IPAs right now is that Melvin IPA. It's just so delicious. It's so good. You like Melvin too, don't you? Yeah, I'll be staying with with Jeremy, the owner, up at Big Beers. So it'll be an interesting week. Of course. Yeah, those are my those are my boys. All right, he's online with us. None better, Jonathan Shikes. He's just a, a fantastic feature writer, and for Westward, it's uh, they call who who dubbed you the. Colorado beer man, Jonathan. So I'm going to say maybe eight years ago, seven, eight years ago, when we were trying to work with, we were trying to work with Twitter and trying to figure out uh, how to get all of our writers and editors at Westward online. Uh, I was working with our web editor and he says, well, you need a catchy, you need a catchy name. So I, I said, well, Colorado beer man. He said, yeah, it got too long. Colorado beer man is too long. I was like, Colo beer man. And so that was my Twitter handle was Colo Beer Man. So do and people call it, you Colo Beer Man or Colorado Beer Man? No, they call me Colorado Beer Man. Okay, I think it probably would have been fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna we'll put you on hold. Okay, we'll come right back and we'll start talking about delicious favorite beers of 2017, and then we'll do booze in the news to talk about the um, 16 breweries that you wrote about the plan to open in 2018. What do you say, Jonathan? 
Sounds great. All right, we'll come right back. There he is. Put him on hold. Thanks for taking the time out for us on this Saturday, the last Saturday in 2017. And uh, just kind of a year in review of delicious beers. As I hear everybody paging through Jonathan's article here. All right, we'll come back and uh, just loosen it up and have some fun when we get back on the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio. Gardner Hammond from Alpine Dog Brewing Company, winner of the Micro Brew Fest IPA competition. You're listening to the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio. Rocker Spirits. It's a distillery. It's a place to hang. It's about quality. It's about taste. It's about passion. Infused with American spirit. Rocker whiskey, rocker rum, rocker vodka. Get ready for an original look, feel, and experience. Old Town Littleton. And have you ever had pizza from a thousand degree oven? Great pizza from Sprezzatura. Open Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Rockerspirits.com. Rockerspirits.com. It's my distinct pleasure to introduce you to The Bindery, eatery, market, and bakery. Hi, I'm Chef Linda Hampston Fox, owner of The Bindery. My life's journey has taken me through Switzerland, France, Italy, and Mexico, and has allowed me to create a menu at The Bindery that I think you'll find truly unique. The Bindery combines a market and bakery with an elevated fine dining experience under the same roof. We are proud at The Bindery to provide artisanal foods made by hand in small batches. Join us in the morning for an award-winning Dragonfly coffee, a convenient market lunch, a crafted libation during happy hour, or an intimate dinner in the eatery. And don't forget about our amazing weekend brunch. Conveniently located in the Highland neighborhood at 1817 Central Street, just exit I-25 on 20th and park in one of our 55 covered free parking spaces. For our menus and all things The Bindery, look us up online at thebinderydenver.com. And remember, food is one of life's great pleasures. And I look forward to you being my next guest. Do you have the goods? Jay Parker here for The Goods Restaurant. If you're looking for a neighborhood restaurant that features gluten-free menu items, stop by The Goods. Whether you're a vegetarian, vegan, gluten-free, or even a meat lover, they've got something for everyone. Get started with the vegan gluten-free tacos, warm corn tortillas, wood oven roasted veggies, pickled onions, shaved radish, tomatillo, fresh cilantro, and a house-made vegan sour cream. Wow! How about the best burger on planet Earth? One half pound of Aspen Ridge beef, lettuce, tomato, pickles, and never any hormones, antibiotics, or steroids. I recommend getting the crispy rosemary fries. As a friendly neighborhood restaurant featuring dinner, brunch, and full bar with two daily happy hours, they truly care about you, the customer, and desire to provide an extraordinary dining experience for everyone. They are family and children friendly and even have a playroom for the little ones. The Goods, a friendly neighborhood restaurant who offer a wide menu of gluten-free, vegetarian, and vegan options. And they don't forget about the meat lovers with a staff that really cares. On East Colfax, directly connected to the Tattered Cover Bookstore. Hungry? TheGoodsRestaurant.com Yo, yo, what's up? <laughs> this is Justin Brunson, Ultra Meat and Cheese in Denver Central Market. I'm a meat guy. <laughs> and you're listening to the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio. We need to get Jonathan Shikes to do one of those for us, uh, listening to the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio. You absolutely are. Greg Hollenbach, Jay Parker, Brian Freeman from Growers Organic, and Kyle Moyer from the Crafty Fox and Bogey's Beers and Wine. Uh, right to the VIP line again, and this is going to be a cool one. Jonathan Shikes, uh, the Colorado beer man from Westward Magazine, and he just writes such great things and highlights breweries here in Colorado. Let's go around the horn here, and we'll start with um, on telephone with Jonathan. Jonathan, list uh, a couple one to five breweries that are your favorites. Can you do that, or is that showing bias for <laughs> your babies? That's a that's a tough one. Um, 
you know, some of the ones, uh, uh, two of them had, a couple of them that, that had uh, multiple beers, I think, on, on my list this year, uh, Cerebral Brewing here in Denver, um, Weldworks up in Greeley, uh, they had multiple beers on, on my list of 30 favorites. Uh, our mutual friend um, in Rhino uh, had one. They, I, they had another that I almost stuck on there. Um, Black Shirt Brewing also in Rhino's, you know, gets better and better. And um, a brewery that just has only been open for about a year up in Frisco uh, called Outer Range. Um, it's a terrific brewery as well. I was just up there uh, two days ago. Uh, Kyle? Uh, 150% going to go with Outer Range. Um, Weldworks. Yeah, I, was gonna, I knew you were going to say Weldworks. Yeah, you have to. Weldworks, Outer Range. And it doesn't have to be Colorado. Uh, Wiley Roots, um, those guys are unbelievable. Uh, I've really been digging Alpine Dog. I think they're doing some really fun stuff. Um, and, geez, I, it's it's hard not to be biased. I, I guess what I'm looking for is a, is a brewery that kind of does it all, and um, Cerebral's really blown my mind with, you know, all the stuff they're brewing. So I guess that'd be my top five for this year. Parker? Is that me? Well, I, uh, now I haven't had I haven't had any of the beers, so I I'm kind of in a weird position, yeah, right? So, which is a good position uh, because you're going by other things, right? And so when I think about things, I'm thinking tap room, and I'm thinking, uh, you know, social people, media. Believe it or not, the brewers. people that are there, yeah, the uh, the atmosphere. Um, some of the breweries that pop out are t- to me are uh, ratio. Um, Brews is obviously one of our favorites. The people there. They got and, a mention and the, and by the, Jonathan. And the tap room are just incredible. Um, Woods Boss is one of the most uh, beautiful. beautiful tap rooms uh, I've seen. And I'm hearing good things about the beer. And when I'm back on uh, on that, you know, then I'll weigh in on that. Um, gosh. Those are good ones. Yeah, those, you know, that's, that, that's where I've enjoyed being. Brian, do you make it around to breweries much? Oh, you know, um, I I would give you a couple like the dry dock, and they just had a, yeah. a little brie shake up over there. I think they moved in with somebody else recently. So you um, may be a liquor store consumer, right? Oh uh, no, no, no! Did you not go over there in Aurora where those? Uh, no, so I'm saying that you might pick your beers, which there's a lot of people out there that they don't frequent the the tap rooms or the breweries that they're buying their beer from uh, the liquor store. Yeah, yeah, I yes, I'd, I'd give that to you. I mean, yeah. this year I I was saying in the break there. Over, I, I went over to Iceland and a little down into Europe, and I I really got turned into turned on to some of their some of their beers this year. It was really cool. I mean, a organic Viking beer wow. in Iceland. I thought, you know, I mean, you know me. I'd love to see what these ladies are doing over here at uh, making noise or the you know that that looks interesting. Um, I know. So here's I want to give one holiday brewing. Company. I was yeah. Huh? Yeah, no, I was gonna chime in and and and, and uh, redo my list and say I have to add Holiday. Holiday's great. Um, I always say, and no secret, because uh, the True Blonde is one of my favorite beers, if not my favorite beer. So Scott Brewing Company, and I just love what Dave Thibodeau has done with their brand mm-hmm. itself. And then I'm gonna go with uh, I love Brews beers, and I love uh, Charlie Gotten Kinney and Ryan Evans, and they're just doing great work and just classiest can be. 
And then I think I want to um, jump to Intrepid Sojourner Beer Project because Andrew Moore, an archaeologist gone brewer, is putting great uh, indigenous flavors into the beer with uh, the spices that he uses. And the basil IPA is just fantastic. If you haven't tried that, uh, give it a shot. And on that same uh, note, um, Spice Trading Brewing Company. Yeah, Spice Really, trade. really mm-hmm. delicious beer. So that's my short list. Uh, Jonathan, go over some of the ones. Uh, first of all, any reactions to any of those brewing companies? Uh, no, I mean, those those are great. You know, two of the ones that you meant, that you guys mentioned, uh, Woods Boss and Intrepid Sojourner, are, you know, brand new this year. They both came really strong, really strong out of the box. Um, they did a great job. Brews, I keep hearing, I need to get more, I need to get to brews more often. I just keep hearing, uh, you know, more great things about those guys as well. And and ratio is, is you know, fantastic on a number of levels. All right, hit the highlights in this article, 30 Amazing New Colorado Beers from 2017 from Jonathan Shike's perspective. All right, so the, the ones, the beers, so the beers that I had, are you, were you looking to talk about this? Or you yes, and it just came out today, um, December 2019, and then when we break after this, we'll talk about the... Uh, the brewers, the breweries that planned to open in 2018. Okay, so yeah, you know, I mean, the highlights, some of the highlights for me, I'm I'm a big fan of the the hazy New England style IPAs. Uh, it can be a real controversial topic. A lot of people hate the way they look, don't like the way they taste, don't like the hype that is surrounding them, but they've become incredibly popular. And um, so, not a fad. Uh, uh, I don't think it's going to end up being a fad. I I don't think that every brewery that is making one now is going to stick w- with it because I think the, that not everybody does them as well as others. But I think it will become a pretty. I think it'll, it's going to stick around for a while. Kyle, are sours a fad? Oh, absolutely not. No, I love the fact that I mean any like Belgian drinker, anybody that really knows beer, knows that we're kind of starting to do that more. May I mean the kettle sours are you know a different different thing, but. Um, People like fruit in their sours. People, you know, like the adjunct sours and uh, the lambics, and you know, it's a it's a wide spectrum of beer. So, no, absolutely not. Jonathan, sours a fad? No, definitely not. I, I think I think they're they're growing. Uh, it does take it does take a certain palate to be able to uh, to like sours, and and people like them, and then they stop liking them, and then they they like them again. So you have to be you have to really want to drink a sour to drink a sour. But I don't think it's going away anytime soon. And the burps from sours. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. Those are deep down body burps right there from a sour. <laughs> what else do you have on the list there, Jonathan? Um, so aside from the IPAs, which are the, the biggest category, I've got uh, had a lot of barrel-aged beers, and I had a, a pair of pastry stouts, which is kind of a new term that is uh, get, gets thrown around. Um, and those are those are the imperial stouts that get infused usually with some sort of uh, sweetening uh, adjunct or, or spice, uh, vanilla, cinnamon, coconut. Uh, people actually throw a cake and cookies, um, you know, and other kinds of candies in, into these beers. And um, I'm, I'm just a sucker for them. I don't uh, don't mind saying it. I, I really enjoyed uh, the pastry south. So there's there's a couple on there uh, from you know again Cerebral and Weldworks. Um, one of my favorite one of my favorite sections on this list was the. Uh, I call them the creative envelope pushers, and uh, they were the ones that had really different beers. Um, Ratio was on there with the pear elderflower saison that that I tried, which uh, was like a soda. Uh, it tasted great. Uh, Intrepid Sojourner was on there. Hickory peach wee heavy that they did. 
lots of hickory flavors and and, uh, and lots of peach. Uh, the ladies that make a noise, who you mentioned before, the very first beer that they did at Gold Spot, Imperial Strawberry Saison. I, I love that beer. So that was that was a fun category to, to work on as well. How do you, Brian? Go ahead. Let me ask a question there, Jonathan. Where do ciders fit into this? I mean, I'd be curious on your guys' take because that's someone something that's new and it's come a long way commercially. I, I think it's terrible, but we have quite a few here in Colorado. We do, and I ciders make me feel very guilty because I don't write about them enough. I don't write about them at all. Um, we Westward has some other folks who do write about them. I just I haven't. Uh, I focus so much on beer that I haven't been able to expand what I do that much. But C-squared ciders, the, the ones that I've tried from them, and I don't, I don't know them by name, but he, uh, he does some, some uh, Andy over there does some great experimentation with ciders with all kinds of flavors, uh, herbs and spices that he puts in, hops that he puts in, uh, stem ciders, Colorado Cider Company. There, there, are, there are some great cider makers. I just, I just uh, haven't had a chance to get into it as much as I as I should. Yeah, and I ask that just because of the fact that, you know, a lot of those beers that you were talking about at the end there are, are more are fruit-focused, and so it's interesting where some of, the, some of the beer is going. Yeah, I think I must be just a malt. I, I'm just malt-focused. <laughs> I was going to ask you that. Do you think that it all well, roads lead back to once you develop your beer palate that you're going to go or you have a need for the, the, the IPA? A need for the IPA? Yeah, I, I think that it, it just, it just, you know, at first, if you start out drinking craft beer and it's an IPA, it, it, you might not continue to be a craft beer drinker. Um, but it's it, once your palate's developed, and I've found that with myself, that I'm now craving the IPAs, and, and the hoppier, the better. Yeah, I, I do have a hard time drinking. You know, I love hoppy beers, and, and like you said, the hoppier, the better. Double IPAs, the, the more... The better. I do. I do think that you your palate um, gets sort of uh, uh, calloused to to less hoppy yeah. beers over time. Uh, some people like them. I liked hoppy beers right away. The first one I ever had. Really? I loved it. Um, yep. Uh, I don't know why, but I did. I think some people the first they they never liked them, uh, which is which is another interesting part of these these hazy IPAs because they they have a lot of hops flavor, but they don't they have almost no bitterness most of them. And so a lot of people who thought that they didn't like hops, it turns out they just they just really didn't like the bitter the bitterness that comes from classic IPAs, um, and they're enjoying the hops, uh, but without that without that you know astringency and that bitterness. All right, we're going to take just a quick one minute break, and it's actually actually going to be for Intrepid Sojourner Beer Project. So I want you to hear Andrew Moore do his commercial. It's so cool. We'll come back and then we'll do the uh, state of the beer address with uh, Jonathan Shikes, a Colorado beer man. Uh, from Westward Magazine. Uh, so cool for him to join us tonight. And we'll do 16 breweries that plan to open in Denver in 2018. And I'm sure with those 16, do you think 16 will go at that, with that same thought? No. No? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think those 16 will get open. Uh, oh, okay. But they might. All right. Oh, you mean will 16 close? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think 16 will close. All right, we'll do that. We'll come back with Jonathan Shikes. Uh, easy for me to say, right here on the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram and Facebook for all the fun videos and pictures. Just search The Modern Eater. 
Hi, I'm Andrew Moore, brewmaster at the Intrepid Sojourner Beer Project. At Intrepid Sojourner, beer tells a story inspired by my adventures as a well-traveled archaeologist. My recipes draw inspiration from all over the world, from historical styles like satis, grazers, and kvass, to adjunct beers inspired by flavors from international cuisines. My beers broaden the horizons of what beer can be. Explore basil IPA and Turkish coffee stout. Enjoy chai brown ale. Taste lavender tripel and the distinctive horchata milk stout. Thoughtfully source spices and herbs, enhance flavors inherent to indigenous beer styles. My sincere hope is that Intrepid Sojourner Beer Project will inspire adventure and wanderlust. Come visit the tap room and share your tales with friends and plan your next sojourn. Located at 925 West 8th Avenue in the heart of the Arts District on Santa Fe. For everything Intrepid, Look us up online at SojournerBeers.com and remember to drink globally, locally. Now it's time for the Modern Eater's Booze in the News segment. I like my beer cold, my meat grilled, and my entertainment explosive. All we need is a, is a chair and a, and a cooler beer. Here's your booze news. All right, Greg Hollenbach, Jay Parker, Brian Freeman, and Kyle Moyer in studio. On the line with us, Jonathan Shikes from Westward, Colorado Beer Man. Go back to the VIP line, and we're going to give him a three-minute stretch. Uh, so it's all you. Please talk about what we can expect as far as breweries opening in 2018, Jonathan. All right, so the list I wrote focused on, on Denver City, city limits. Uh, the suburbs have plenty of, of beers that are uh, breweries that are, that are coming as well. But, yeah, 16 is a, is a big number, and uh, it's actually uh, should have been 17. There was a brewery that I thought was going to get open before uh, before this year ended. That's Oasis Brewing, and they did not, so they will be open uh, in January. But there are 17 breweries in the Denver City Limits that have leases or buildings that are planning to go into business. And three of them are, are, are heavy hitters, and they're all in a, in the same area. They're all in Rhino, and that's uh, New Belgium is going to open in the Source Hotel. Uh, Odell Brewing is opening across the street from, slightly down the street from Ratio in Rhino, and uh, River North Brewing, which uh, was the first brewery to open in the River North neighborhood and then had to leave when their building got torn down, is coming back with a, with a big new um, a big new tap room there. So uh, those three will be will be the heavy hitters, I think, for next year. Is that it? No. <laughs> Lay it on. Uh, there, are, there are a lot of smaller, um, a lot of smaller, interesting brewers that are going to be coming up. Um, one I, of them is. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, just take a look at this article. I think it's great and very insightful. Sixteen breweries that planned open in 2018. I think the last minute of the show uh, would be open to just asking you what you're most excited about for 2018 for Colorado breweries, Jonathan. For the ones that are opening? Yeah, just the, the whole climate, just your overall perspective of what we can expect in 2018. I think that uh, I think there's going to be some of the breweries that are open now. I'm, I'm foreseeing that there's gonna, they're going to open second tap rooms or second locations next year. I think that'll be interesting. I think some of the beer bars, and, and Kyle may know about this, uh, maybe maybe facing competition from from you know from their own customers or, or from the from the breweries who they have worked with. Um, because I think uh, I think I think the breweries are just going to continue to open. If we have 80 breweries in, in, in Denver, it's going to be great, amazing for beer drinkers, and I'm looking forward to that. But it'll be sort of fascinating to see how they compete with each other, how they compete with with beer bars, and um, 
whether it's the neighborhood bars that are the ones you know that go out of business instead of instead of other breweries. So those are some things I'm I'm, I'm interested in, in following. Amen. Come back early and often. The two and only uh, Jonathan Shikes from Westward, the Colorado beer man. Thank you so much. Thank you. There he is, Jonathan Shikes. Uh, Got to thank Kyle Moyer. Brian Freeman from Growers Organic, and, of course, uh, TJ and Jay Parker for the best. We'll see you next week on the Modern Eater Show.